Coming up on Studios America, Lila Rose joins us to commemorate Texas taking a stand, you know, maybe for keeping our kids alive. It's a crazy idea. A unique piece of authentic Michael Jordan memorabilia is up for auction. I'll tell you about it, but I promise to keep it brief. <laughs> oh, you'll get that one later. And Hurricane Ida left some pretty serious damage behind, as hurricanes are kind of wont to do. So naturally, the left is frothing mad over the pending climate change apocalypse. Let's correct them yet again as we do Ida's wreckage. Stu does America. Well, Hurricane Ida hit New Orleans, did a bunch of damage there, and then went all the way uh, north and did a bunch of damage in the northeast as well. Uh, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, lots of flooding. It was, you know, it was pretty bad. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, a lot of people who uh, were victimized by this, not only with property, but some people died in this uh, situation, really with terrible, terrible stories of living in basement apartments that flooded. I mean, it was a horror movie. Uh, really, really ugly. Of course... As you would expect, the left is going to try to take this crisis and not let it go to waste. That's sort of what they do. Um, we saw the beginnings of this up in Canada. I want to show you uh, Justin Trudeau talking about how he's learned some lessons from the COVID situation. Watch. What we learned from this climate, this uh, COVID crisis, Mm -hmm. We will be applying to the climate crisis, oh, to the housing crisis, mm -hmm. to reconciliation, yeah. to making sure that everyone has good jobs and careers that carry them through and create opportunities for their kids. I've said this since the very beginning, if you've been watching the show, when it comes to COVID. Look, we want to do our best to minimize the amount of people who die. That seems like a really basic idea that we can all kind of get behind. However, we have to balance that, of course, with the the uh, country moving forward with our freedoms, which aren't really negotiable for me. Like we have a constitution and can't really play with that all that much. But when we get through all this, when COVID is in our rearview mirror, as if that will ever occur, once that happens, we are gonna have a lot of battles to fight because the left has learned something very, very, very important that basically people will do a lot of the stuff they ask them to do if they put enough pressure on them and they scare them enough. That whole battle is ahead of us. It's an important battle and it's been important since day one. We knew it was coming and you're seeing it, you're seeing it in full, full color right now. AOC uh, wants you to know that the climate crisis might be even more serious than anything that COVID could ever do. Watch. The fossil fuel industry right. and the future of humanity oh are fundamentally incompatible. Right. They just are. They just are. I mean, that's not a political opinion. That is the science. We continue to burn fossil okay. fuels. Our planet will become our, inhabitable. Our especially planet. what's happening with Hurricane Ida is that, I mean, this is climate change. Oh, I don't know oh, what more that, wow. people need to see. Um, and I'm mm. very sad to say they're going to see a lot more mm -hmm. uh, in our lifetime to understand that this is this is human cause. We are at the brink. The UN IPCC report was released this year saying we are at code red for humanity. Mm -hmm. That's about all she read of the report. I can promise you that uh, maybe if she read a little bit more. She'd understand it a little bit more. And I did like um, a couple things from that. Number one, how she says our that was quite possibly the worst noise I've ever heard. Her saying our 
is the worst noise I've ever heard. Secondarily, when you say something like what you see with Hurricane Ida, um, I mean, it's just climate change. I mean, it just is. That's a really powerful argument that I think connects with a lot of people. I've seen it in a lot of scientific documents, and we'll get back into uh, that in a little bit. I also uh, want to give you, if you think that, like, if you're one of these people that are thinking, you know what, Stu, it's a Friday. Why are you loading up with all this high-level intellectual stuff from AOC? If you thought that AOC clip was too smart, here's Joe Biden. We can't rebuild our economy and meet this climate crisis <laughs> unless we create opportunities for people to build their own communities. Why don't you care about the climate crisis? I've been sitting here this entire time thinking we were dealing with a climate crisis when in reality it was a climate crisis. That sounds legitimately scary. It has crime right at the beginning. The problem with all of this, of course, is that the left and the media are going to try to scare you and tie this into global warming. That's what they do. Never let a crisis or a crisis go to waste. So this is what we're getting from the media right now. Overlapping disasters expose harsh climate reality. The U.S. is not ready. New York subway flooding isn't a fluke. It's the reality for cities in a warming world. AOC suggests mansion to blame for New York City flood deaths. <laughs> she is an idiot. I, I'm so, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I shouldn't say things like that that are true, undeniably. Deadly flash floods show how vulnerable New York's infrastructure is to climate change. It's not all about Hurricane Ida. Land use and climate change drive Philly flood risk. Wetter and warmer. How climate change is fueling hard to predict storms because of climate change. Ida's watery wrath is no longer an aberration on the, for the Northeast. Uh, climate scientists, this is a dystopian moment. Hurricane Ida is about to create a lot more climate movers. Ida's aftermath shows we need to address climate change and invest in infrastructure and on and on and on and on and on. Now, when the crazy left or the media sees all of these videos, what do they say? They say, oh my gosh, a scary flooding video, global warming. These are spiraling out of control. I've been seeing them so often. Give me trillions of your dollars, please. But then there's the other side of this what I would call sensible people. Sensible people look at what happened here and say, these floods suck. But we should at least ask the question, are things really getting worse? Or is that just my perception? We were hit with so much more information, so much more news, all the stuff on social media. It's, it's flooding our lives. What does the data say, though? Like, are floods getting worse? Our floods getting worse? Are there actually more of them? Are they more damaging? Are hurricanes becoming more common? Or is that just our perception? Are hurricanes getting more powerful? And most importantly, really, I mean, the bottom line is, are they killing more people? I know how a lot of people feel about those questions, but that's actually not important. What is the truth when you ask those questions? How do we get answers to those questions? Well, a few different ways. We could start with floods, for example. Are we getting more of them? Climate change theory would say that we are going to get more and more rainfall. Hurricanes will bring more and more precipitation. And there's some evidence that that can, that can be true. It's happening a little bit at least. 
But the details are pretty important. Let me give you this from a 2017 study. There were more stations exhibiting significant decreasing trends than increasing trends. Hmm. So, yeah, there was more rain overall, but it was actually more evenly spread out. That doesn't mean more flooding. But even if you do have more floods, you know, what do you do about it? Now, right now, what we're seeing is we don't actually uh, have more flooding. The, the rain seems to be more spread out and we're not seeing more floods. But if we have more floods, they have to be causing more damage, right? And of course, you do see higher damage estimates in raw dollars. I mean, alarmists like AOC will use this data all the time to show how much worse the climate really is. But let me show you a couple pictures of Miami Beach. This is highlighted by Roger Pelkey Jr. Uh, this is Miami Beach in 1925. Now you see a bunch of beach and not a lot of buildings. There's one building in the middle of the picture and everything else is pretty much barren. This is 1925. Now, 2017 looks a tad different. The entire area is loaded with giant buildings. We have a lot more buildings in the path of hurricanes and, you know, nearby water. Big, expensive buildings where celebrities go and people like AOC vacation. But even with all of that, that's just a visual uh, aid to describe what we're talking about here. This is, uh, this is a show for conserva nerds. So conserva nerds unite, it's Chartapalooza time. When you adjust for inflation and the size of the economy, look at the, t the trend that you get. And you can see it pretty freaking clearly here. This goes from 1940 to 2019, and you see a downward trend. The trend is significantly and obviously down when we talk about the flood damage as proportion of GDP. It's fallen by about two thirds, meaning that it's a much smaller problem, at least by this measure. What about hurricanes? How many major hurricanes are hitting the US? Well, here's the trend for the last century. And what you see here, again, it's basically flat. I mean, you can see a small decline there, but let's just call it flat. Uh, it's a small decline. It's certainly not an increase though, I can promise you that. Major hurricanes are not hitting the United States with any more regularity. Most important, of course, to understand here, though, is how many people are dying from climate-related disasters. Bjorn Lomborg highlighted this from a recent cataclysmic UN study, comparing the last two decades to the two decades before that. What you see here is that the period of 2000 to 2019, as compared to the period of 1980 to 1999, the rate of deaths by climate-related disasters, the exact thing the left wants us to worry about, are down. They are down by about two-thirds. Not a minor. This isn't going back in ancient history. This is, this is recent history. Over the past 40 years, we've seen things yet again improve. And I know people hate thinking that things can get better. But you know what? That's what capitalism does. AOC sees it the opposite. She sees only catastrophe around the corner and only socialism can cure it. But capitalism, the thing she says is ruining everything, is actually saving lots of lives. And that's just in the improvement in a very, uh, you know, short term. That's just a piece of a very long term trend, a long term improvement over a long period of time. The last century is when we've had almost all of our CO2 
that's been emitted into the atmosphere through industrialization. The climate-related disaster death rate in the last century, though, has not agreed with all of these crazy, crazy, crazy accusations of harm. Here is the death risk from 1920 to 2021. And what you see here is a massive, 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 over 99% drop in the climate-related death risk. It's hard to think... It's hard to think of a more compelling statistic. We actually put this a version of this chart back in, um, I believe it was an inconvenient book, uh, one of Glenn's early uh, books. And it was at that point, I think, a 98% uh, drop. It's now well over 99% because it keeps getting lower. Why? Because we adapt to things. We look at the situation that's occurring. And instead of being idiots and just like, I don't know, let's just stand here while, uh, you know, um, that piece of debris smashes me in the face. We move, right? We adjust. Look at what we just did, for example, in New Orleans. New Orleans is it the the building up of New Orleans and the and the reinforcing of the levees is a perfect example of how humans impact the planet. They say all the time that's a bad thing. But what happened here was a lot less people were harmed by a stronger storm 16 years to the day later on. Michael Schellenberger tells this story, I think, better than anyone and puts this into perspective. A lot of people say climate change will make floods and hurricanes worse. But what just happened in New Orleans proved once again that disaster preparedness massively outweighs slightly faster wind. You'll detect a theme here, whether you have functioning levees and gutters and etc. That determines whether your home floods, not a couple of inches more of rain. Whether you have AC determines whether you survive a heat wave not a few hotter days. Whether you have good forest management determines whether you have high intensity fires, not a longer fire season. The real climate denial is exponential increase of human resilience. They just love to deny that, don't they? Our biggest problems stem from our astonishing success. We are safer than ever, and it's made people neurotic. This is what uh, Jonathan Haidt famously called safetyism, and that's true. Adaptation is much better than trying to predict the future 80 years out. How can you do that? Have we not paid any attention to the last century? Maybe this approach of, of, of trying to control the temperature for the globe might work if we actually could predict what the world and technology might look like and what our environmental challenges might be a zillion years from now. But I have news for you. We can't. I'm sorry. You're just not going to be able to do it right. We can't even predict that the Taliban is going to take over an entire country over the weekend. What are we going to do with 80 years into the future? And if you think that we are getting any better at predicting the future of technology, let me leave you with this. From the Today Show, 1994. That little mark with the A and then the ring around it. At? See, that's what I said. Mm -hmm. um, Katie said she thought it was about. Yeah. Oh. But I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it said. Bad. I'd always seen around. the mark, but never yeah. heard it said. And then yeah. it sounded stupid when I said it. Violence at NBC. <coughs> yeah, I heard around big fight up in the lunchroom the other week. <laughs> there it is. Violence at NBC. GE com. I mean, well, what Allison should know. What, what do you is say internet about anyway? Internet is uh, that massive computer right. network, mm -hmm. the one that's becoming really big now. 
What do you mean? That's how does one? What do you write to it like mail? No, a lot of people use it and communicate. I guess they can communicate with NBC writers and producers. What is internet? Do you write to it like mail? Who will ever know the answer to that story? I will say, if you know what internet is, you can go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's a good place to go. Uh, I know some of you might think of it as realestateagentsitrust.com, but no, there's a doubt in there. Real Estate Agents I Trust is the place to go to find the best real estate agent in your area. You know, that's a really important part <laughs> of buying or selling a home. If you remember like bad experiences or good experiences buying or selling a home, likely that revolved around how good your real estate agent was. They know the market. They know how to, pro- they know how to protect your investment. They know what you need to fix in your home before you sell it and what you don't need to, to, to uh, fix in your home before you sell it. That's a huge thing because you might mind spending thousands of dollars on repairs you don't even need to make, especially in a market like this. You need someone who knows what they're doing. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the place to go on internet. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. So happy to welcome Lila Rose back to the program. She's the founder and president of Live Action and the author of the wonderful book, Fighting for Life, Becoming a Force for Change in a Wounded World. Lila, how are you? I'm doing good, Stu. How are you? Really well. Thanks for coming on. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, it's been uh, an important week for the issue of life. Can we just start with your reaction to the Texas uh, abortion law and the, the response from the Supreme Court? Absolutely. So the fact that the Supreme Court has effectively this week allowed Texas's heartbeat bill, their heartbeat law banning abortion at six weeks to remain in effect is really the first domino uh, before the fall of Roe v. Wade. So we are thrilled in the pro-life community. I think this is a huge step forward for human rights, and it definitely signals how the Supreme Court is seeing the issue of abortion, and it bodes very well for the decision that they are planning to make next year on Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's interesting. I think like that seems to be the, the big one. With this particular law in Texas, obviously it still has a, a pretty long fight as far as the court situation goes, where Mississippi is a lot kind of closer to the end here. But it is interesting. I think there is a, a change in tone from the courts, I think, from really an aggressively anti-life stance. Uh, it does seem to be maybe the tide is maybe changing a little bit. It's absolutely changing. And you saw the dissenting voices on the court, Sotomayor and Breyer and others who were just infuriated, infuriated that the you know five justices said, no, we're not going to stop Texas from having this law go into effect. Uh, that would probably not. I mean, it's highly likely that would not have happened that way before we got these Trump appointed justices, before we have we got Gorsuch or Barrett or Kavanaugh and all of them were the ones to agree to, along with Clarence Thomas, agree to allow Texas's law for now to remain in effect. So it's a huge signal. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's a tremendous victory that today in Texas, over 100 children were spared from abortion because of this unprecedented law and that the Supreme Court allowed that to happen. Now, watching the coverage of this puts me in a different mindset because some of the things that have been said that have been broadcasted it's incredible i I find it really hard to believe yesterday we went over this piece about the last hours of this fort worth clinic 
where 67 abortions occurred in 17 hours. They go through like it's an episode of 24. They're racing against the clock to make sure they get all these abortions in before they become illegal. And at one moment, they after all of this happens, they really they write for a moment. They were able to savor it. They were able to savor the fact that they had aborted all of these kids just in time before the deadline. It brings out, I think, the worst in people, this particular argument. And, and to see it covered this way in this amazing like push to the end, like it's an episode of like home home makeover where they're right before the clock and the person comes home. I mean, is really disgusting. Mm-hmm. I mean, in their desperation, I think abortion advocates are really really revealing their hand. They're showing the evil of abortion. I mean, you have these abortion clinics, you know, open to the last minute before the law went into effect two days ago, saying we're going to be up till midnight killing, you know, committing abortions, killing children effectively. Uh, You have journalists opining on Twitter saying, oh, if more laws like Texas is going to effect, then children with, there will be more children born with Down syndrome. I mean, what are they really saying? They're saying, we abort and they acknowledge that we abort 60 to 80 percent of all children with Down syndrome. And so, oh, God forbid, there's more children with Down syndrome who give a, get the chance at their first birthday. So you, you just see these crazy comments coming out from journalists, um, abortion activists. And I think people are looking at it. Most Americans are not hardcore pro-abortion. Many Americans are pro-life and they're seeing, wait a minute, this is the agenda all along. The agenda of the abortion industry all along is abortion through all nine months for any reason and upping those abortion numbers every single day. Well, most Americans do not stand for that. And that's why I'm so encouraged about not just these laws, but about, I think, really the sentiment in the country and how I think more and more people are going to become more pro-life. Yeah, because I see, I do think that it is more than just a legal fight or just a political fight, right? It's about changing people's minds. I mean, we had a situation in this country where interracial marriage was illegal for a really long time. And you can change the laws on something like that, but it's about people realizing, like, well, that opinion was pretty stupid. We should change the way we think. And over time, that occurs. The same things happen with, with something like slavery. I really do think that at some point we look back at this era and people in the future will look back and think, how could a country possibly agree to this? 60 million abortions. Uh, it really is one of the, 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 the worst things I can possibly imagine a nation doing. And it's, it's, it's happening right in front of our eyes. I mean, I think you're exactly right, Stu. The death toll to abortion, it is the highest death toll in America. More children are killed by abortion daily in America than heart disease, than COVID, than cancer, than any other cause of death. And, you know, when you look at history, you talk about history. There have been times when good people thought they were doing the right thing by supporting, you know, discrimination, segregation, by thinking that slavery was, you know, part of just the way things were, and it's okay, by thinking it's okay, women shouldn't have the right to vote. I mean, normal people who became really desensitized to injustice and thought it was injustice was normal. That's what's happened today with abortion. We've become so used to killing children in the womb, seeing them as less than human, dehumanizing them. Oh, they're just an embryo, it's just a fetus, it's not a human. The science is clear it is a human. It's been clear for a while and people are waking up and now our laws are catching up and even the Supreme Court is finally, finally showing some of that, I think, intellectual honesty and uh, the reality that it made wrong decisions in the past on abortion and we have to fix that in the future. You know, Lila, I'm at the point really with this that I don't even understand the arguments anymore on it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm beyond the point where 
you know, the people say, well, you're bringing up a straw man argument. And then there's the other side of that's the steel man argument, right? Where like, okay, this is the best argument against your case. And I try to look for those with abortion because, you know, really fundamentally, we're talking about ending a human life. You'd think you'd need a really good argument <laughs> to be made uh, if you're going to do that. Um, Chris Cuomo tweeted um, an, an argument from a law professor from Washington Lee University. And this is their best argument, uh, apparently. Um, if a fetus is a person at six weeks, or excuse, if a fetus is a person at six weeks pregnant, is that when the child support starts? Is that when you also can't deport the mother because she's carrying a U.S. citizen? Can I insure a six-week fetus and collect if I miscarry? Just figuring if we're going there, we should go all in. How do you react to that? And I, I actually tweeted back at Chris and I said, I'm all in. Let's go all in, Chris. Are you pro-life now? Yes. You know, if you're if you get someone pregnant, yeah, if there's costs associated with that pregnancy, I think the man should help pay. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I think we should support women who are pregnant and acknowledge there's more than one child there. Let her drive in the carpool lane. You know, I'm pregnant right now, actually, and I think it's fine if I drive in the carpool lane. Um, yes, I think I think but I think those are easier fixes. I think those that really was a straw man coming from that pro-abortion law professor because she's saying, oh, how crazy that we would, you know, uh, financially support or ask men to financially support pregnant women. No, that's not crazy. We should. We should. <laughs> and we should do it because that's a human life that she's carrying. That's a son or a daughter. And society should be supporting her and that child and not telling her to go to an abortion clinic to kill that child. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it, these are minor things uh, com in comparison to keeping people alive. You know, I think one of the things that one of the reasons why uh, having a child is such a big deal is because of the of the responsibilities it puts on the parent, right? Like, it, you know, mm -hmm. the argument for abortion in many many cases is, oh, I just can't do it. Oh, I don't I don't have time for this. Um, you know, I'm too young. I don't have the money. You've heard all of these arguments before, but fundamentally, in the middle of that argument is the idea that a parent is responsible for the life of their child. The reason why it's difficult when you don't have enough money because you might not be able to provide life, uh, the life that you think that they should be living. And with abortion, it really does sort of reverse that construct where it's the parent comes before the child. The parent is now uh, being the child is bears the responsibility for the inconvenience of the parent. And that's just fundamentally against humanity. It's against the yeah. entire structure of humanity since the beginning. I mean, you're right. It's an inverse of parental responsibility and an inverse of just human love. I mean, love sacrifices for the other. It doesn't destroy the other for the sake of self. And love is what we're made for as human beings. But, you know, our society doesn't even have that high of a standard, though, because we have safe haven laws where you can literally drop a newborn infant with no penalty, with no questions asked at, you know, at, at, at a fire station, at a hospital and surrender custody, surrender rights, and not have to care for that infant whatsoever. You can be anonymous to that child the rest of your life if you so choose. So there's no reason for abortion. There are there are some statistics say two million couples in this country who want to abort, who want to adopt infants, but they can't because there's not enough infants to adopt. And people say, well, what about foster care? Foster care system is designed to reunite families. They're not just everyone's up for adoption. There's only a, a smaller number of those kids even available to be adopted. And they're usually sibling groups. They're older kids. So it's a myth to say that there aren't families that want these children who are scheduled to be aborted. There are millions of families who want to uh, adopt these children, but they can't. So it's also spreading the, the good message of, a, of adoption and saying, let's if you aren't able to care for this ch child, we will.
there are people who will. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on your child's life. Mm. Um, you you're, and your organization um, are very well connected in this area. You've been, you know, your book is all about activism and how to, how to make a positive change in, in, in a difficult subject like this. Um, what are you hearing from people as far as this Texas law goes? What do you expect to happen here as, uh, you know, we, we know that there may be less abortions uh, today and, and in the future, which will be a great, great outcome. But do we expect challenges in court? Do we expect a flurry of lawsuits to happen? What's going to go on here? Yeah, so we do expect challenges in court. And the, the reason, that, I mean, one of the reasons, the kind of legal genius behind Texas's heartbeat law and the reason that it's gone into law is because it basically makes the enforcement mechanism private citizen. So any private citizen can, if they see or know of an abortion being done by an abortionist, they can sue them and then it can have just crippling uh, financial charges on that abortionist to get them out of business. So there's no state authority for the pro-abortion side to sue right now, which is why this has really escaped the pro-abortion legal system and it's in law. Um, will it get challenged? Likely, because a woman who is seeking an abortion could say, I'm challenging this law, you know, my right to have an abortion is, is violated here, um, you know, even though there's no right to kill your child, that right, I don't think exists, but this will likely happen. So the court battle will likely happen. Um, but what's so unique about this is it's gone into effect. The Supreme Court has allowed it to remain in effect at this time. That's unprecedented. And it's also unprecedented, Stu, that in the last three years, there has been more pro-life legislation than in decades prior at the state level. You know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, so many states passing pro-life laws. So, and then now we have the Supreme Court that seems sympathetic to the right to life. So this combination of factors makes this a huge step forward for the movement in a way that we've a step that we've never been able to take before. Um, OK, and Lila, before you before you go, um, th I think a lot of people, especially with this topic, have that moment where like they had this awakening. Right. It, it, it's not one of those things that necessarily you're people slowly come around to, although sometimes they do. Usually at one point, one day, it just hits them. And I think a lot of people have that moment and they don't know what to do with it. You know, they, they may go, they, they may have been pro-choice in the past. They may have had an abortion themselves in the past, um, but they've changed their mind and they want to now stop to or help uh, stop this process from going on. I know your organization does so much in this area. What's the best way for people to help? Thank you. Well, I think, I mean, the top thing that I found besides, of course, supporting mothers and families in need, getting involved in adoption care and foster care is education. I mean, it's amazing. We see minds and hearts open all the time at Live Action because people actually see what the abortion procedure is. They learn about human development. So I would say one campaign you could check out and I highly recommend it's babyolivia.com. Baby Olivia is the most lifelike, medically accurate animation from the moment of fertilization when life begins until birth. It follows a little girl's life. It's already changing minds on abortion. People are saying, I was going to have an abortion. I chose life now. Now I'm pro-life after watching this video. So I'd say share baby Olivia's story and help the world see the humanity of the preborn child. Mm. Babyolivia.com is the place to go. Babyolivia.com. Lila Rose, founder and president of Live Action and author of Fighting for Life, Becoming a Force for Change in a Wounded World. Lila, uh, on a very good week here. Thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me.
yes, a special edition of Stew Eats America. Uh, welcome to it. Uh, why? Well, we have this special fancy box. Yes, from our friends at Kexi Cookies. Yes, Kexi Cookies. This is Pat Gray's Cookie Company. I mean, really, it's Jackie Gray's Cookie Company. She's the one who actually is the brains behind the operation. But I like to tell Pat that it's it's him doing some great things over there. Good job, Pat. Anyway, uh, they have the new flavors out, and I happen to have some here, which I'm excited about. Look how nice the box is, too. You do such a nice job with this stuff. This is a great present, I will say. Kexi Cookies. Uh, I think it's kexi.com, I think is the address. I should know that. Um, anyway, uh, we have uh, the new flavors. Now, they have chocolate chip cookie, Texas sheet cake, a bunch of those. They have a new cinnamon roll cookie, which was I may have already eaten. So I, I can tell you the taste test on that one. It's really freaking good. Uh, so try it. Um, but they have brand new flavors. Let's go through some of them. How about this one? Oh, this one is caramel apple. Ha- this is like a fall uh, collection of cookies. From Ke- oh my. I will tell you this about Kexi cookies. It's, each one weighs 16 pounds. Mm. Oh my God. How does she do it? These things are ridiculous. I don't know what to tell you about these. These are fantastic. If you have never had these in your life, you need to get them in your life. That's really good. Good fall flavor here. This one's called um, Texas Cowboy. Now, I asked Pat, what is Texas Cowboy? It's not made of cowboys, is it? I'm against that. Uh, But these are actually, it's like an oatmeal cookie with a bunch of stuff in it. I don't know what's in it. It's like, uh, it looks like it's got some white chocolate chips, maybe some regular chocolate chips. I think a craisin or two might have slipped in there. Some walnuts. I don't know. It's, mm. mm-hmm. Oh. That's spectacular. That is a spectacular cookie. Oh my gosh. These are just so ridiculous. Okay, then we've got this one. But look how colorful that is. It's like a Halloween thing. Uh, sh- it's a Halloween sugar cookie situation with some very purple and scary frosting. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> these are not I, these are not diet. That's one thing I will say about them. They weigh, you could lift weights just by, you could curl these things and and get your biceps big. Anyway, so uh, the sugar cookies are really good. Like I like the doughiness of a sugar cookie and that has nailed it. The texture of the oatmeal raisin or oatmeal Texas uh, cowboy things are fantastic. uh, Really, really good tasting, lots of stuff jammed in there. You've got the caramel apple, which is just a delicious cookie. I mean, I don't even know how to explain how good it is. We've got, um, this one is pumpkin spice. You know, they say this is all for basic girls. Call me a basic girl then. Oh yeah. (laughs) These are, no, it's got like a cream cheese frosting, I would say. Mmm, freaking delicious. All of these are fantastic. It's the last one I have here. This is uh, the ginger sugar cookie. Ginger. You know, they say bad things about gingers. Don't believe it. Okay. Mmm, 
It's like a gingerbread. It's fantastic. These are the most boring food reviews whenever I do Kexi cookies because all of them are awesome. I mean, I would say the caramel apple one is really, really, really good. But like, I, I, I don't, I, I, like, I feel like I could jam, I could eat. I can't, I have no words to describe how good these are. These are all just tens. They're fantastic. Um, Kexi.com, K-E-K-S-I.com. Now, the key with these, and if you've seen, I've done it here, is you kind of cut them into these like little pizza slices like this, little triangles. And uh, that gives you a good sense of like, eat one or two of those, it's like a regular cookie. That's how heavy these things are. But they're delicious, you can throw them in the freezer and everything else. Um, Pat does not pay for these commercials. Uh, I just like his cookies. Uh, and really, again, it's his wife. What does Pat do? The only thing Pat does, you can always tell, Pat has one role at the company, which is writing the descriptions of the cookies, because half of them just like randomly reference communism. I'm just like, well, this is a cookie company, why? You could tell Pat writes the, the copy for the website, but other than that, he's got nothing to do with it. Back in a second. Now, Kexi cookies are fantastic. <laughs> They're amazing, but if you eat them every day, all the time, you're going to look like Jeffy. And that's probably not what you're looking to do. Ooh, got a little timer going off there. Um, it's important to make sure that you uh, occasionally have a healthy snack. Uh, and uh, Built Bars are the way to go there. Built.com is the place to go to get Built Bars. They've got tons of amazing flavors. My wife, who, you know, if you've ever seen her, she looks um, good and she's in shape. So she, you know, she doesn't eat like me. She likes things that are healthy. 180 calories or less, 18 grams of protein. We have the uh, new pistachio ones in the fridge right now. I noticed those the other day. I think 160 or 170 calories. Uh, these things are healthy for you. You know, can take care of that sweet tooth, but also, you know, not blow you into, blow you up into a giant Jeffy balloon on, on like Thanksgiving Day parades. You don't want that to happen to you. Built.com is the place to go. Promo code is Stu15. You'll save 15% off your first order. Built.com. The promo code Stu15 for 15% off at Built.com. Well, Joe Biden's approval rating is falling through the earth right now, as you might expect after the disaster in Afghanistan. But it wasn't just Afghanistan. Some of it was him falling off naturally. Some of it was the inflationary concerns, the fact that he promised to end the virus and we're in the middle still of the Delta variant and all these other issues. Uh, none of that, of course, was true when he said it. And Afghanistan has been a complete catastrophe. He's now fallen from 52% to 44%, which is still 44 points too high. Exactly 44 points too high. Um, I am... Uh, you know, it now puts him behind every president since Truman, with the exception, there's a couple of exceptions. He's basically tied with Bill Clinton. He is um, a little bit ahead of Gerald Ford, though that's about to end because in, at this point in Ford's administration, he was on the upswing a little bit. 
And he is still ahead of Donald Trump, who was the most unpopular president with far as approval ratings for his entire. I mean, he was basically between 37 and 45 his entire time. So 44 percent would be slightly uh, below the highs of the Trump administration. And that's happening only in a few months. And Trump, of course, is a different animal. I mean, he comes in with everybody already knowing him. I mean, it's, you know, I think George W. Bush. How many people have even heard of George uh, W. Bush a couple years before uh, the election. I knew about his dad, obviously, but they, you know, no one really knew him. Donald Trump has had a, a persona in the American public for decades uh, and had people's kind of mind made up. I think that some of the same stuff was true with Biden, but he's violating that perception really drastically. He's supposed to be this moderate, pragmatic guy. He's doing the exact opposite. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with China as well as we go forward. China is taking steps now to ban sissy boy bands during reality talent shows. And it sounds like a dumb story, kind of a kicker story, but this is a big thing. I've been reading Josh uh, Rogan's book, um, Chaos Under Heaven, is it called? I, I can't think of the name of it. It's like Chaos Under Heaven, thank you. Um, and it's a great book, uh, highly recommend it. We're gonna have him on to talk about it, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but this is a, they are moving. They are moving fast. This is changing. Uh, it is not the China that we remember from 10 or 20 years ago. This is changing in a big way. And this type of thing, they're kicking Bitcoin miners out. All these like little, fiddle, all this fiddling with their society and is going on not only in China, but all over the world. And he documents a lot of uh, how that works in the book. Uh, definitely something to check out. Um, I would say I wouldn't mind China stepping in to ban this. Michael Jordan has his used underwear going up for auction. Now, I don't think Jordan himself agreed to this, but there's a sports memorabilia website that has a pair of Michael Jordan's underwear, which they say bears signs of, quote, definite use. Do we know how much this is? Uh, what's the bidding on this yet? I mean, uh, would you buy used underwear from Michael Jordan? Starting bid was 500 bucks. I hope they don't get it. I'm sure they will, though. It's 2021. It's America. Of course, Michael Jordan's underwear are going. Someone's going to buy it, right? That's that's where we are in this world. Back in a second. You can go to YouTube and watch the show anytime. StuDoesAmerica.com has the link. Uh, we have this comment that comes in. You can comment during the show live. Uh, every time I get annoyed with you. Like when you get vaccinated, when you have natural immunity, <laughs> I remember that you are a nonviolent pro-life extremist and fall in love with you all over again. That's what we do here on this program. We disagree sweetly. That's what we do. Thank you. You can always disagree sweetly with me anytime on YouTube. Just comment. Uh, and you can also review the program as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. You should know that going in. Wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. A reasonable voice. Yeah, Stu is some weird tofurkey vegetarian, but he's into cheese and whatever. So listen to his podcast or don't. It's good. So whatever. Five freaking stars. Love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate the reviews. Anytime you, you know, take a minute to do that, it does make, uh, make a difference to us. We appreciate it. Okay, so here's what happened. Hurricane Ida hits. Flooding occurs. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when flooding occurs, water levels go up. And when water levels go up, things tend to float. And when things tend to float, those things are higher than they would normally be. So sometimes really weird things end up in trees. It's just true. Like, for example, this cow. 
there's a cow in the tree. The cow is legitimately stuck in the tree. They had to cut him out with a chainsaw. I hope they're not carving up like a T-bone in that video. That would be a little disturbing. Taliban Joe merch is the place to go to get your t-shirts and your mugs. We'll see you next week.